Boom! We are live, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen and ladies, it's your boy Nolan Hawkeye Anthony here on a fine Tuesday morning. I hope all of y'all had a great Christmas, great Hanukkah, uh, Hanukkah, whatever uh, you guys celebrated. I hope it was full of, uh, in this digital world that we currently live in, I hope it was full of uh, happiness and joy, even though I suspect, again, with the, with the digital realm that we are diving into, that it wasn't as happy as it could be. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, and when I'm wrong, I let you guys know. Um, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. And uh, first and foremost, got to get this out of the way. Smash that follow button on Parlor. Parlor is growing like crazy. And uh, in, in it's, in it, it's awesome. Uh, and it's weird. I think certain individuals associate certain other individuals with Parlor with having certain beliefs and stuff like that. But the bottom line is, if you believe in free free speech, Parlor is your way to go. And I've never hid the fact that I'm a First Amendment absolutist. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter as well, and they're both at two four seven Hawkeye. And actually. Uh, myself and my partners, Dean and Paul, all have access to, to all the uh, social media accounts as well. Uh, and you guys can follow us on Instagram at official247hawkeye.com page and go to 247hawkeye.com. We have some great articles out. We're going to have a great article coming out today about uh, the, NFL, the Iowa Hawkeye NFL pipeline. I can't wait for that to come out. Uh, that's going to be a good one uh, because the Iowa Hawkeyes are dominating. Uh, and without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, my producer, Paul. Paul, how's it going, partner? Oh, man. You know, it, by the way, uh, like you said, Merry Christmas, Nolan. And, yeah. Uh, Merry uh, Christmas, brother. Coming up. Uh, I got to tell you, it, you know, as a Hawkeye fan, it was, it was kind of a hard weekend for us, right? We had, yeah. uh, you know, we had the Christmas night uh, loss at Minnesota. That didn't go so good. Uh, we found out on Sunday we weren't going to have a bowl game. It, it was uh, it, overall, it was kind of a sad, uh, uh, sad Christmas weekend, kind of, wasn't it? I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, the fun, the crazy thing is, is, you know, I was responding to people with vitriol who said that the game was not going to happen because I knew that for the Hawkeyes, it didn't matter to them if they had, you know, uh, as long as they had, you know, uh, 40 healthy players or something like that, that they would roll out those guys because this they know that the bowl, bowl game and the bowl practices are for their young guys. And the reason for me, at least, uh, and, and Missouri and Michigan, they're all uh, pussy willows. You know, I've been saying this to people that teams and, – and I know that maybe this, this game isn't as much the case as others – but I, I fully believe, as Dabo Sweeney has said, that teams have been hiding behind the COVID stuff. You know, they didn't even try and downplay it, Paul, with the, uh, the quote-unquote uptick and, and all that. You know, literally all that means it, those the, – the, and, and pr you know, hopefully they're okay. But 
an uptick could mean that, yeah, they found traces of it in some of the players' bodies, but, the, but, but the, you know, who knows? In the next two or three days, they could be fully fine. And then Missouri could have decided to go with their guys um, and, and, and stuff like that. And as a former high-level competitor, I don't respect Missouri's decision. I don't respect Michigan's decision. Um, I, I just – I don't like it. Now, the good news, Paul – is that Iowa did get their practices. Uh, trust me, even, even, without, even without Kirk Ferentz and a few guys, they still got their practices. Uh, I know they said that they did not have any team activities, but they still had some stuff that they were doing. I guarantee it. Uh, that's how programs like Iowa do things uh, when, when they roll under the radar. So that's good. But the, bad, the, the, may, the biggest bad thing for me, Paul, is that we were not able to see Spencer Petrus for one more game to see if he could get to like an 11 touchdown, five or six interception season. Um, I want to give my grade on him today as well, final grade since it's all done. And we weren't able to see young guys like maybe Desmond Hudson or Tyrone Tracy, or because I don't, th- I, I'm not sure if Brandon Smith would have played. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he would have. I think he made his decision once he knew that that the game wasn't happening. But my my thing is that it was sad that we weren't able to see some of the young guys that uh, that that bowl games bring. And and then obviously Iowa did not have a chance to move to seven and two, which would have been the equivalent of a ten and three season, which would have been another ten win season for the Hawkeyes two years in a row. Hopefully, cross my fingers and yours, Paul. They stay in the top fifteen and have two years in a row stay, uh, finishing the season top fifteen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you you really kind of walked into the first topic that I really wanted to get to today, which is going to go beyond just Iowa football. But I want to talk about holistically with the Big Ten, the Big Ten compared to the other conferences. Uh, So the Big Ten to, to get the season started, we all know, uh, we, there was an original 2020 schedule. Uh, They, they, they wiped that away. They created a second schedule. Uh, you know, a couple days later, they canceled that schedule, uh, pushed the season back to, to late October, and then we got what we got. And at the time that they did all that, uh, they created these COVID rules uh, uh, that you were just talking about. You know, you had to have a minimum threshold to play, but you, you know, just because you had a few, you know, COVID cases or whatever. Uh, you needed to have a minimum number of players to, to be able to play. Uh, the, uh, we had teams throughout the season within the conference that were that were eligible to play by the threshold rules, but simply right. decided they just didn't want to play that week, right? This, this happened. Uh, it happened at Michigan. It happened at Wisconsin. It happened uh, multiple times throughout the season. So my question, uh, question number one is, <clears throat> why did they even bother to create COVID rules if they weren't going to enforce them? That uh, for for me, it became clear after about week two that, and I just didn't want to say it, say it early in the season because you know I was so tired of talking about COVID, but now it's all good. Um, is that it? It, it was meant just for the Corona bros, you know, it was meant for the people who would have blowback if 
you know, a team decided to play a game with 20 players who had detected COVID. And as we all know, there's different levels of detection for COVID and the test itself is 80% accurate. You know, we've had thousands of false positives on the COVID test. So, um, you know, it was meant for the Corona bros. Uh, you know, the media was just, but besides a 247hawkeye.com, uh, you know, I, and you know, I'm the Hawk Nation did did a terrible job with this. Uh, but most of the Iowa locals uh, websites did okay in my eyes uh, of being fair. But it was meant for them to appease them uh, so that that they didn't feel or could come out with an article saying that the Big Ten was killing their players. But if you look at the SEC and the, and the Big 12 and the ACC, they had the biggest seasons of them all. Yep. And, and you know, you look at that and, and you say to yourself, as long as the season started, that was what the Corona bros and people like them were trying to get away from the season starting because it had political ramifications as well. And, uh, and ultimately the season started and the, the COVID protocols were terrible, not to mention Paul, uh, the, the makeup games, uh, having the COVID rules with, with the makeup, uh, rule, the makeup game rules, was absolutely ridiculous. It's it's humorous because you you know you say uh, that uh, you know it has to be this or the game's going to be canceled. But then also you have to play a minimum of five games. But then Ohio State gets into the college football playoff, <laughs> and then you know so it's just all this just lies, 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 lies. And that's why I've been telling people and you too, Paul, from the from the very beginning. That number one, uh, the Big Ten commissioner is is trash. Kevin Warren, terrible. Uh, I wonder who's uh, who who has uh, th- their hands in his pocket. Um, and uh, the, 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 that's a long way of saying, Paul, that there were, that it, it, it was to appease. Uh, you know, like I said, the people who are diehard um, uh, fear is a virtue. People. Uh, with COVID, because at this point, it, you know, they're, they're making fear of virtue in the United States um, and, uh, you know, being afraid of everything. And, uh, you know, uh, the Big Ten didn't want to be charged with not like, you know, not by a court, but they didn't want to be uh, alleged to uh, to not care about their players and the safety of their players, despite most players ha- or all players Nine, excuse me. Most Power Five players having better health care than ninety percent of the United States. That's right. So, anyways, yeah, and you know, so we talked about changing. You know, you, you kind of brought it up. You know, uh, obviously, you know, Ohio State didn't play enough games to get into the Big Ten championship, so they changed the rule. Uh, right. Ohio State had you know too many Corona cases to to play in the playoffs. So what did they do? They changed the rule from 21 days to 17 days. Arbitrarily here, right at the end of the season, it's obvious that was, uh, you, you know, there to make sure Ohio State could field a competitive team in the playoffs. Yeah, so is this really about safety? Is this really about health? Or is this really about what college football's always been about since day one, the money? 
Um, you know, it, it, it is about money, but, but the money saying it's all about money is a, is a, uh, to me is, is a little too simple because, you know, if it was all about money, then the big 10 and the pac 12 would have had the season much earlier mm-hmm. and they would have put out PR to say, listen, we have testing. This is what our, our scientists say that, 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 uh, you know, what we saw from the CDC that 90, that uh, anybody who gets COVID, even 80 to 90 year olds have a 90 plus percent chance of survival. If it's just COVID, not if they have cancer alongside with COVID, not if they have, you know, terrible asthma or any other residual, but just COVID, they have a 90% of recovering from just COVID. And so the PR did terrible. And uh, so, so yeah, but, but the bigger answer, Paul, yes, is that uh, it, it's money, but it's only money for certain teams, Paul. It's only money for the final four teams. That's why I said in my post that the biggest thing is that I was asking myself is, do regular season do regular season games count anymore? Mm-hmm. Now, now we're seeing the true colors of of certain teams and certain programs. Nebraska, um, I'm not sure. Uh, Wisconsin, I believe, didn't decide to play in a bowl game. Um, Michigan, same thing. Uh, we're seeing the true colors of these teams, which is. Uh, or and the college and college football in general, which is we care about the college football playoff and the re- and and uh, you know Big Ten, Pac-12, and 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 SEC, you know Power Five championship games. But other than that, games don't really matter. Yeah. They don't mean a dang thing unless you're in the hunt for said championship. But if you're not, it don't mean a dang thing in your bowl game don't mean a dang thing to us. And so from that perspective, Paul, it's very saddening to see that uh, the college football playoff has kind of had, and Joel Klatt talks about it, it it has had a very dangerous effect on that. And he talks about, you know, if you move out to eight teams, Paul, that that it'll become even worse, that the regular season will mean even less. And that's not good. College football cannot move to a place like that. No. It, it just cannot. No. That's what makes college football the best and most unique Great. sport yeah. out there is every game, literally every game has some, some matter to it. You, you know, you, even if you've lost three football games, there, there's still – there's the so, West so came down to a tiebreaker, Paul. The West came down to a p- tiebreaker, and I'm sorry for c- cutting you off. I won't do it again on this okay. one. But the West came down to a tiebreaker, folks, which in most years the Hawkeyes would have actually been sent to Indianapolis. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah. So it was obvious to anybody paying attention uh, that the Big Ten – they 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 decided they were gonna they were gonna spank Nebraska for wanting to play football. Uh, by the way, they built their schedule. They were trying to set them up for failure. It worked. Um, and then you know when 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 uh, some of the bitch teams decided they they had too much COVID, but within enough uh, they they had enough healthy players to play, but they decided to cancel. So you know teams like Nebraska said, okay, well. If they're gonna bitch out, at least let me go find. Let us go find somebody because our guys are healthy. Don't punish us. Well, no, you can't right. do that either. So, um, one, do you think that the reason why teams did that is because there was zero backbone 
from I mean there, there there's no major governing body for college football. The the conferences seem to govern themselves. When it came to, you know, leadership from you know from Kevin Warren on down, this looked to me like a complete failure. Um, you know, they they delayed the start of the season and they honestly thought the rest of the country was gonna come along. But the ACC said, ha ha, no, we have Notre Dame this year. We're going to play football. The SEC said, ha ha, no, um, we're the SEC and we, we live, breathe, and, and die football down here. We're right. playing football. The Big 12 said, ha ha, no, we're going to have football and we're going to have fans in our stadium. Iowa State had fans in Ames. Um, as it turns and, out, and so, go ahead, Paul. As it turned out, is does does Kevin Warren and the big do they just have yolk or egg all over their face from 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 almost every every decision they made was the wrong one? Uh, do you see it that way? Yes, I do. Um, the arrogance of the Big Ten in saying that if we back out, because this goes back and and some people are going to say when they listen to this that this is that this is is is. Uh, possibly conspiratorial, but, but I'm sorry. It's so obvious to so many people by now. And it was obvious, especially to me and you, Paul, and even in, and to Dean, when it was going on that uh, the big 10 canceling their season was absolute and total because of Pennsylvania, because of Michigan, because of Wisconsin and the state of Iowa battleground States, that it was completely political and they wanted to keep people inside. So that, you know, they could get all the mail-in votes, you know, two, three days after election. But I'm not going to get into that anyways. um, And but the arrogance of the Big Ten to think that they could change other conferences and what they chose to do. It just astounds me. It astounds me when you're not even the best conference in the country in college football and Notre Dame. You, you, this would have been a perfect introduction to Notre Dame entering your conference. But now, guess what conference has the, the, the far and away uh, chance of getting Notre Dame? The ACC. Mm-hmm. The ACC, not the Big Ten. And so, and then to answer your other question about the Pussy Willows uh, in, uh, in, in football, uh, you know, I, I lost so much respect for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I've lost, I've, I've never had, I, once Kevin Warren did what he did, I ceased to have respect for that guy. Uh, and then also, uh, the teams that back out, you know, it, 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 it when, when you see, Teams like Iowa and, and you know, Dabo Sweeney who say, we'll give you players. We just want to play. We want to play football. And you know what? I'll respect Nebraska for that too. Mm-hmm. You know, Nebraska led the way. Yep. Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State led the way. And I'll give them prop. I'll give Nebraska props where props is due. But the other teams, when push came to shove, if they, if they felt that, that that the that they could possibly lose and they were some of their top guys were on the fence maybe injured not with covid but with some other injury they decided to use covid possibly and and uh not not push for the game and my biggest complaint is why were there no ramifications from the big 10 saying if you don't play no more of this no more of this 
the game just doesn't count. No, we are going to count this game as a loss. Whoever forfeits this game, it is a loss and the other team wins. That is my biggest complaint because no matter how you slice it, there was never any point in the year where a team was so decimated with COVID or with injuries combined where they could not field the team. That's right. So that is my biggest issue. Go ahead, Paul. Absolutely. And so – if you're going to give the Big Ten a – Oh, last thing I want to say real quick. And then you look at the Big 12. I don't think the Big 12 is a good conference. I think they're, they're probably the worst conference of the Power Five in football, in my opinion. But if you look at it, Iowa State it has has a good chance of uh, – now, Iowa has the, has the number – in my eyes, the number one prospect in the state in six foot six, 280-pound defensive end Aaron Graves – but the other guy, Xavier Nwakampe, uh and and uh, Justin Imming, uh, there's a good chance because those guys were able to see Iowa State with fans in their thing that, you know, this uh, recruiting class may end up being hard for Iowa uh, in the state of I- in the state of Iowa. And if you are, and the reason why Iowa State has not been able to sustain you know, uh, multiple eight, you know, stack eight win seasons on top of each other is because you have every school has to be able to recruit in state. And Iowa just doesn't produce enough in state guys to do that. And, uh, but, you know, Iowa State's going to definitely make it as hard as ever, despite the season Iowa had this year, just because of the all around experience that you get. Because what people need to understand is, is that when you're a recruit, you're almost like a fan when you go to these yeah. games. And whatever game is the coolest game to you as a as a recruit slash fan, th- that's probably where your head and your heart's going to lead you. So, anyways, we'll see what happens in the in the in the recruiting. Right now, Iowa's winning with the you know having the four star commit, and I think he's going to get rated in the top once he's able to go to camps. I think he's going to be a top fifty guy, uh, Paul. Uh, I mean, you don't find 6'6", 280-pound guys very often. I mean, he doesn't play at Edwardsville uh, High School in Illinois like like A.J. Epinesa, so that's why I think, you know, but if he went to Dowling, he'd easily be the number one player in the state and the top 50 player in the country. But anyways, so, yeah, I think Iowa is going to – it's going to be tough for Iowa this year. But last thing I'll say on this, if Iowa still gets the top guys in the state after the season Iowa State had – <laughs> Iowa State just doesn't have a chance. Boy, they just don't have a chance. Anyways, go ahead, Paul. Sorry. No, we're good. So, uh, you know, hey, so uh, getting down more to Iowa football, let's get to that because that's what, you know, people want to hear us talk about the Hawkeyes. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. going into 2020, I, I think Hawk fans, we all kind of, we, we knew enough about Davion Nixon to think this guy has a chance to be a breakout star. Uh, you know, he unfortunately had to leave uh, Iowa, but but he came back. There was uh, talks that Alabama was interested in Davion. Uh, you know, so I think uh, Iowa fans kind of quietly knew, but didn't know like how good he could be. Um, so it's but it it seems Iowa has this guy every year, right? So you, we've got the guy who there's always a guy who is a breakout star uh who do you think for 2021 has a chance to be an actual breakout star 
Oh, great, great question. Um, off the top of my head, I can't, I, I cannot say uh, what uh, Tyler Goodson, I can't say him because, you know, he's already a star. Um, for me, if I, you know, being totally honest, it's either, it's either going to be Seth Benson, Jack Campbell. I think, by the way, I think Jimon Colbert is going to have a tough path to getting back in the starting lineup. I think it was a foolish, foolish, foolish decision for him to sit out. Um, I think it's going to be very hard for him to, to, to get in there. So, so here, here are the possible breakouts. And then I also just want to highlight Davion Nixon. Well, I, I think you're, you're going to, uh, asked me about Davion Nixon and Tyler Linderbaum a little bit later. So so I'll answer about those guys later. But my breakout, it's either Kayvon Merriweather. People already know about Dane Belton, but maybe not on the national scene. So you could throw him in there. So uh, Merriweather, Belton, uh, Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, uh, John Wagner, I could see it. Um and then offensively, uh, Tyrone Tracy or uh, Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta, how in God's name did Sam Laporta not get second team all Big Ten? He had more yards than both the first team and the second team tight end. So. It's, it's unreal. It's unreal. And he only had one less touchdown than both those guys? Unreal. It, it, you know, it's, it's usually because of preseason, pre, uh, both coaches and the AP uh, preseason bias, you know, they, they, they know so-and-so is, is this good. And so-and-so from this school is this good. And so, so that carries over into their voting. Uh, so, so a guy like Sam Laporta would have to just blow them away uh, to get over that biasness. But, but he, Sam Laporta should not have been honorable mention. He should have a hundred percent been a second team. Uh, and you could argue first team as well, but anyways, um, I'm going to answer Plain and simple, if I have to say one guy, uh, I would say uh, on offense, uh, Tyrone Tracy, because I think Sam Laporta is already on the map. Uh, and then um, do you, now let me ask you, Paul, do you mean on a national stage or or just to Iowa fans? Well, um, I'm, I'm both. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say the name that just blows up that uh, – you know, like I said, yeah. okay, fair enough. I get what you're asking. Uh, I'm going to say the name that blows up is uh, I, in my eyes, I think is going to be Jack Campbell. I think he is going to uh, him or Seth Benson. And then on offense, Sam Laporta or Tyrone Tracy. I think they all, all four of those guys have a chance to have really spectacular years. And I am not forgetting about Riley Moss. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, Riley Moss, uh, uh, pro football focus. He was one of the best uh, corners in the Big Ten, and he, folks, trust me, he has the athleticism to not only dominate in the Big Ten but dominate in the NFL as well. I guarantee you, if he were to run the combine right now, he would run a four three forty, maybe low low four four. He's six foot six one, which is great length, uh, and he would have a 36, 30, 36 to forty inch vertical. So, um, but those are the guys that, that I would say. Who do you think, Paul? So I'm I'm going to take the low hanging fruit here. It's going to be Spencer Petras. 
for the reasons that we've talked about. I almost spoke you know the reasons you've talked about. We've talked about now since you know the beginning of football season of what what Spencer didn't have this year with with spring with with you know actual camp and and what are, and and with with ISM and Brandon Smith moving on. I, I you know I kind of talked about uh, in an those were were. Uh, uh, Nate Stanley guys. Those were guys that have played with Nate for two, three years. Those were guys Nate was comfortable with. Tyrone Tracy and and uh, 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 Nico Raggiani and uh, Nico Regani, uh, uh, Sam Laporta. Th- these are guys that are going to grow and mature with Spencer. And you know, so by the, by the time they're gone and he's gone, they will have played two, three seasons together. Give them an off season together to really get timing and 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 things. Down. And and I think Spencer could have a huge twenty twenty one. Oh, and and by the way, give him some non conference games against uh, uh, competition that you know isn't all Big Ten right out of the gate. I, I have a feeling that, you know he could. Oh, and 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 better weather too. Let them start playing games in September, uh, you know, in, in early September, late August versus late October and playing games through November and December where it's tough to throw the football in the, you know, in the Big Ten. I guarantee you his numbers are going to be just completely different next year. And fans are going to be talking about, oh, my God, what happened that from 2020 to 2021 that Spencer just looks like a different quarterback. It's going to be first half of versus second half of the Illinois game, that kind of uh, uh, change we're going to see out of Spencer next year. That's my take. Uh, this is what I'll say is I think the first two games, because of the, the, the hype that was built around Spencer, which is th- that he broke, you know, Jared Goff, uh, a, 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 you know, 20, $30 million quarterback in the NFL. He broke all his records, shattered all his records that he was going to come in with the weapons he had and all that and just dominate. And that's just not how things work. Graham Mertz had one good game this season, but because that's that game was his first game, it, it absolutely affected the way people thought about Graham Mertz versus Spencer. And so what I'm saying is I think that those two games for Spencer, the first two games really hurt him in, in the popular vote for Iowa fans. And the reality is he finished the season with nine touchdowns, five interceptions uh, and his yards and touchdown passes are among the top five in the big 10. So, uh, and higher than Graham Mertz. So, um, yeah, I, I was almost going to pick Spencer Petrus, but you know what? That, and you know what? He's going to listen to this and be mad at me that I didn't, <laughs> that I didn't pick him. But uh, it's all good. At least you did. So there you go. Nice. Uh, you know, I'd like to kind of change over to Hawkeye basketball. But before we do, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you pimp the websites and stuff real quick? Amen, brother. Uh, smash that follow button on on uh, Twitter and uh, Parlor at two four seven Hawkeye, uh, as well as Instagram at official two four seven Hawkeye page, and then obviously go to two four seven Hawkeye Right now, we have a story comparing the three point guard, the three ball handlers that Iowa has. Um, we have, we're going to have a story about the NFL Iowa pipeline that, that is just stacked, 
Um, and then there's a, another article, Iowa basketball fact and fiction uh, moving forward after just one loss. Uh, that's, uh, I really like that article a lot. So there's a lot there. All right, Paul, All right, go ahead, buddy. So, and the, by the way, the link will be in the description, folks. And, and I'm really glad you brought up the, uh, the article you just dropped because that was actually going to be uh, topic number one. So you, uh, you, you released an article uh, that was comparing Joe Toussaint Jabo and Connor, correct? All right. Yes. All right. Correct. So first off the top, why those three guys? Uh, those three guys, I, I was thinking, so two reasons. Okay. Number one, uh, you, when I asked you, uh, cause I was thinking about adding CJ Frederick, but that's just too many guys, uh, to compare. Uh, and if you really think about it, he's more of a runoff of screens, uh, you know, uh, set picks. And then, and then if he sets good picks and, and, uh, other players set good picks for him, he gets open looks. Does he handle the ball occasionally? Sure. Uh, but as far as an article goes, uh, four guys is too many. Uh, so, so me and Paul talked about that and that, so that's number one, CJ is more, uh, a, a pure shooter, even though he can ball handle, but it, he's just not there yet. I think he'll be there next year, but not this year. Uh, and who knows, maybe he'll develop that into this year because he is a gamer folks. I mean, I have a lot to say about him, but anyways, um, secondly, because Connor, uh, Joe to Connor McCaffrey, Joe Toussaint and Jordan Bohannon are the three primary ball handlers that the Iowa Hawkeyes have right now. They're, if you, the point guard, so to speak, and, uh, the numbers are, uh, are going to shock a lot of people, a lot of people. All right. So what conclusions did you draw? Because obviously you were, you, you had to take the time. You, you, you got the data together. You're going to, you put it down on paper, um, <laughs> But you yep. kind of left it open and said, okay, well, here are the facts. Uh, you know, decide for yourself. You, but what conclusions did you personally draw from it? You did research, Paul. I love it. Um, yes, I did leave it open-ended. And I wanted to do that on purpose because I didn't want it to be a hit piece on on, on Jordan or Connor or, 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 or anybody. But here's my conclusion. And it's been this way. For, for since the first two or three games of the season. The bottom line is Iowa has to be able to defend on a consistent basis. They have to. And I think they got a nice drink of medicine where this belief that they can just show up and be more talented than every team and still win it just doesn't happen like that. Ohio State got 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 smashed by Iowa in 2013, okay, by 30 points. And that was possibly the best team in the country, folks. So so talent alone doesn't do that. As far as the point guards go, because of and and this is centered around defense and just impact to the game, okay? The reality is Jordan Bohannon is shooting uh, the worst, he is shooting 26% uh, percent from the three-point line, uh, which is just 
it, that is so bad to where most coaches would say, please stop shooting the basketball. And, and some people are going to say, well, Nolan, Jordan Bohannon, you're out of your mind. Folks, uh, from the top of my heart, I love Jordan Bohannon. I hope that he starts shooting well. But I, just, I know how coaches think and the, anal the analytics that coaches use nowadays, uh, except for Fran McCaffrey, apparently, uh, most coaches would say, Jordan, you know, let's uh, think about our shot selection. Um, so he's, he's shooting poorly. The, the overall thing that I, he, so I'll make this short, the overall thing, cause I don't want to make this a Jordan Bo Bohannon bashing thing is, is the impact that each of these guys bring. Okay. And, and I'll break it down each player. Number one, if Jordan is not shooting good. Okay. There, there's two things with Jordan. Number one, if he's not shooting good, teams can drop off of him and triple and double team uh, uh, Luca Garza, especially when Connor McCaffrey is in the game because both of them, uh, Jordan Bohannon, who is averaging the most minutes out of all of them, is shooting 27.9% from three. And it would shock people to know that Joe Toussaint is actually shooting 28.6% uh, uh, from three, which is higher than both Joe and Connor, uh, Jordan and Connor. Um, and Connor is shooting 22.2% from three. So in other words, when Connor and Jordan are in the game together, uh, teams sag off and double and triple team Luca Garza. The other thing is this, is with Jordan Bohannon is he, he did it very, very well against Purdue in the second half. He would get it to Luca Garza and he would relocate. He, however, we have seen that most of his three-point shots are, are kind of pull-up, pull-up in somebody's face, you know, that type of thing. Uh, yes, they, they're, they're, some of them are wide-open looks, but most of them aren't. Most of them are these kind of acrobatic threes with somebody in his face, 45-foot uh, threes and things like that. And the reality with that is this. If you are shooting that poorly right now, you have to work to get easier uh, more open three-point looks, or else you're just giving possessions away. You just are. Um, and and then it comes down to this also. If you're not shooting well and you're not putting pressure on the defense as, as the point guard because you can't shoot well right now, and by the way, folks, Jordan Bohannon shooting 50% from the free throw line. Just want to add that as well. Um, then you – because you struggle on the defensive end and you don't put any pressure on the offensive end, it's, it's, it's like just having a player out there for the sake of just having a player out there with the intangibles of, yes, he's a good leader. Yes, he's a competitor and things like that. And that's nice. But that only goes so far, ladies and gentlemen. I swear to you, there, uh, there were people on my water polo team, teams that were some of the most competitive guys in the world literally in the world, but because they didn't have the skill, the, the leadership and competitiveness only went so far. And so the overall thing is the synopsis that I wrote is basically uh, that number one, obviously we want uh, uh, Connor needs to probe the defense more uh, and, and, and make defenses respect him that he can score 
Uh, hopefully his three-point shooting goes up. Jordan, same thing. He needs to make defense re- defenses respect him getting to the rim and things like that, no matter if it's just a shot just to take it so they respect that he's going to drive to the rim. But the overall thing is 1,000% that Joe Toussaint puts more pressure on the opposing team, both defensively and offensively. He puts the offense on skates because he puts them on their heels uh, and he he passes very well. And he's just so fast that he makes teams uh, and the stats show it. The stats absolutely show it. In his 15 minutes, every single one of his stats are absolutely comparable to both Connor, if not better than both Connor and Jordan in, in, in seven, eight minutes less a game, which brings me to my ultimate thing, which I had been saying, Joe needs to play 18 to 22 minutes so, a game. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. My, my, my big thing. I want to make that point one more time again, Joe puts more. This is not against Jordan. This is not against Connor. It's just the reality. Joe Tassat puts more pressure on the opposing team right now, currently, on the opposing team, both on the offensive end because of how fast he is and how he can get to the rim and how much space he can open up the floor. And then on defense, the same thing. He he can defend 35 feet out and make it hard. Against Minnesota, uh, Marcus Carr struggled to score points as soon as Joe Tassant got in the game. All right, go so, ahead, I mean, Paul. After reading your article and watching the games intently and, and everything, what I'm seeing is when we have both Connor and Jable on the floor at the same time, it's like I was playing three on five on offense uh, because yes. neither Connor or Jordan right now are, are a threat offensively. And teams are recognizing that and they're saying, look, uh, you know, we're, we can triple down on Luca and make it almost impossible for him to score uh, and, and, and make his life all pretty miserable. Um, and look, we're going to put our, our next best defender on, on, on uh, Wee's camp. And we're going to try to slow him down as much as we can. But the fact of the matter is, um, look, Luca gets all the attention. Weezy gets the rest. And, and you know, Jordan and uh, Connor are not providing anything on the offensive end. And when that, when that, that's not a recipe for success. And other teams obviously can see it that. is not. Iowa's going to have to make an adjustment here. Um, they they need to be more dynamic. You can't give up a hundred points even with overtime. Um, you know, but that brings me to my next thing here because yeah, obviously uh, Hawk fans were were not happy. We were we were all. Uh, real quick, hold hold this, Paul. Again, both Paul and I want Jordan absolutely. to start shooting well. Because that would mean so much for Iowa. But Paul is absolutely right. When Right now, when Jordan and Connor are in the game together, it is three on five on offense. And what he said is that it clogs the lane for Joe Wieskamp trying to get to the rim. Uh, it clogs the lane for Luca Garza both trying to get out to the three-point line as well as posting up. And the only player that can do anything with Jordan and Connor in the game is CJ Frederick. Uh, well, and Luca can as well because he's Luca, and same with Wieskamp to a certain degree, but it makes it 
so much harder when you can sag off of two guys. So yeah, uh, I, I just wanted to 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 re reilluminate your point and and then defensively, Iowa puts zero pressure with that lineup on any defense. None, none whatsoever. The only defensive guys they have uh, are are uh, the only athletically. So CJ is is. He is an athletic guy. He's not deceptively athletic. He is athletic. Now, is he Joe Tassan athletic? No. Joe Wieskamp is legit athletic. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, in my eyes, at six foot five, six six, people forget how tall he is. Is legit athletic. But are they the type of athleticism besides Joe Wieskamp in that five? J- Jordan, Joe Wieskamp, uh, C.J. Frederick, Luca Garza, and Connor are those guys the type of athletic? Have, do they have the type of athletic ability to truly stress the opposing team's defense? The answer is unequivocally no. Yeah, they don't have they don't have that or the length. You know, like when 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 uh, Patrick McCaffrey comes in the game, absolutely. Or, agree. Uh, Jack Nunji comes in the game. We're we're adding length. We're adding that the you know similar uh, levels of athleticism, but more length. Uh, then you know guys like Kenyon, uh, not Kenyon Murray, but Keegan Murray. Um, uh, and Joe Toussaint coming off the bench, they do add a level of athleticism uh, that we don't have out of the starters. Uh, so, oh, it's it's a huge upgrade in athleticism. Jack Nunji at seven foot can guard the perimeter better than Luca Garza, even though Luca Garza has shown to be more athletic this year. Um, and uh, Keegan Murray, I mean that that dude. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Scottie Pippen. I'm just being honest. That's but anyways, a, that's go ahead. That's a pretty uh, impressive comp there. So, um, so the Iowa goes up to Minnesota their last game, Christmas night. Uh, they fall in overtime. Then uh, last night, uh, they absolutely destroyed uh, Michigan State. I think last I saw the it was it was a 20 point game. Minnesota was on top of Michigan State. Um, yeah. You know, do Hawk fans, do we overreact to every loss? Is, is it possible that Minnesota and this league in general is, is that <laughs> damn good that, uh, you know, the, you know, it's, are, 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 are we overreacting, you know, because of one loss or, or, you know, it, it, should Iowa have been, you know, should they have, have handled Minnesota? Do you think? Okay. Um, so overall, is this an overreaction? Yes. Overall it is because in the grand scheme of things in context, number one, uh, Iowa lost to Gonzaga after absolutely struggling at the free throw line, absolutely not shooting anywhere near as good as they could have, uh, from three. And that could have been a two-three possession game, and it was it was a two-three possession game. It could have been a two one to two possession game with one made three and a couple made free throws. Right. Should could have would as though. With Minnesota, Iowa literally had a ninety-nine point nine percent chance, according to ESPN's power index, to finish that game and win. That was a one in a million Reggie Miller style comeback victory, and you know. And some people were taking it as, well, a championship team just doesn't allow that to happen, folks. 
Minnesota is a top 25 team. They are. I said that going into the game. They are. They're a legit team. They have a legit NBA point guard in Marcus Carr. So with that in mind, uh, it's an overreaction that Iowa is is not – because some people were saying, oh, we're not even a top 15 team. No, we're still a top 10 team. I still think we're a top eight team at the very least. Minnesota is a good team. Iowa should have won that game and finished that game, and it was a one-in-a-million type thing that Minnesota had to to have the basketball gods on their side, and they did, and that's what happens sometimes on the road. That's Big Ten basketball. Uh, And then also they just smashed Michigan State. Now, where it's not an overreaction are the minutes distribution. Again, uh, inserting Jordan Bohannon for certain min- uh, certain minutes when Joe Tassant was going in and just slicing through the defense like butter. Well, actually, Joe Tassant got taken out because he got hit in 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 the nether regions. Um, it was a low blow. But the, uh, Minnesota did that on purpose. I can tell you as a former competitor, Minnesota did that on purpose because Joe Tassant was burying them. He was He was hurting them so much that they needed to do that. Um, but Joe Tassant should have manned up and, and got up in my eyes. But anyways, um, even though I know how much that hurts, especially in water polo, but that game exposed Iowa's overconfidence. And, and confidence is not bad, but you can't be overconfident the way Iowa has been. And it has started since the beginning of the season where they have looked bored at times. And, it, and your season – this is why the Clippers did not win uh, last year and why they probably won't win this year. Because unlike the, uh, like the Lakers, the Lakers take every game seriously. Clippers do not. They only show up for games like against the, uh, the Lakers. Iowa needs to get this thing out of their head that we have the talent no matter what and we can just show up. That's not how things work. And hopefully this game showed that. And then, obviously, I don't think Fran McCaffrey got outcoached. I don't know where that came from. I think, uh, you know, uh, should they have allowed Minnesota to get a quick layup and then just go to the free throw line? Maybe, maybe. But those are decisions that are so hard to make. As a coach, you have confidence that your guys are going to hit one Mm -hmm. of their three free throws. So you can't blame Fran McCaffrey that 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 his guards did not make one of their three free throws. Which, by the way, going back to the article, okay, with uh, Jabo uh, Connor and 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 Joe Tassan, guards have to be able to shoot free throws, plain and simple. Point guards are taught from day one since they are kids that you must be a good free throw shooter, one of the best free throw shooters on the team. And right now, that's not the case. It's not the case. So, um, and then obviously Iowa played defensively good in spurts. And Paul, I think you'd agree with this. They played well when Keegan Murray, Joe Toussaint, Jack Nunji, and Pat McCaffrey were in and out of there. But they played poorly in other spurts. And uh, and and the biggest criticism I have is that Minnesota came and and uh caught uh, Iowa with a right hook to the jaw to start the game. And if you're Iowa, you cannot let that happen as the number four team in the country. Every team will be coming for you to get a, a solid win for the NCAA tournament. And you need to know that you are the hunted and you need 
to be the team every game to land the first punch every game. And I did not like that about the Minnesota. So, so from that perspective, okay. it was so not an overreaction. Are teams figuring Iowa out or are Iowa's good shooters just not shooting good? Iowa's good shooters just are not shooting good. Uh, and uh, listen, Paul, if we really think about it, Iowa should have should have beat Minnesota. And 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 you know me as well as anybody that I'm not a shoulda coulda woulda. I'm more about results. And yes, Minnesota got that result, and it went to overtime, and Iowa still had a chance, and they didn't take care of business there. So so there we go. But but in the the actual game, Iowa was up by seven with 40 seconds left. Again, that was a gift from the gods for Minnesota. Um, but they still got the win. Anyways. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know what I'm saying there. Um, uh, Iowa is just not shooting well. And in my eyes, it's the rota- it, 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 it continues to be the rotation. There's too much leash for certain guys. Uh, and where, in my eyes, the biggest strength for this Hawkeye team is their versatility. It's their bench. There's no team in the Big Ten besides maybe Michigan State or Wisconsin, and I don't even think it's Wisconsin. I think they play with like six or seven guys. There's no other team that has nine guys the caliber that Iowa has. And, And right now, Fran is not using that, and he's giving too much leeway to certain guys. I don't mind if Joe Wieskamp is struggling to sit his ASS down uh, and, and put in Keegan Murray and see what Keegan Murray can do or, or, or something like that. Or Jordan Bohannon is just not getting it done. He's, he shot four threes to start the game and he's not, he's made one or missed all, all of them to get Joe Tassan in there right away, get it going instead of waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping that they'll shoot themselves out of a slump in a game. You can't wait that long. So I know that was a long way of saying it. Iowa just is not shooting well and Iowa will figure it out. Paul, I am, I am a thousand percent confident that Iowa is going to go on a run here. Uh, I think that this was the loss that they needed. And I, uh, you know, this, I have been saying that all the people who have been saying final four elite eight, I said, hold, hold the brakes on that. This is a long season. Iowa needs to figure certain things out. They need to go through adversity. And this Minnesota game is is as big of adversity as it comes, uh, especially the way they lost. And the only thing that Iowa can do is is shut the door behind that, learn from it, and move forward uh, with a new found focus. Because I've seen this posted online. I don't know if it was you or, or somewhere else. But people talking about, well, this loss was a good thing. The players are going to learn from it and things like that. This goes back to what we talked about in your article and those intangible things. The reason you have Patrick or you you have Connor McCaffrey and Jabo on the court at the same time is for that senior leadership. It's to have the to have those guys in in those clutch moments that know how to win games down the stretch. They. they this team right. is is should be at a point where they don't need to learn these lessons. They need they that that is why you want you know fourth and fifth year guys out there on the court that have been in the system that that know how to finish <clears throat> games that know how to win games you know in the in the waning moments of a game. If they're still learning those lessons at this point in their careers, they're they don't need to be in the game in those situations. 
Th- that's a great point. But isn't it possible, Paul, that that some of the guys that you're talking about never really had that, that we're giving them too much credit for their quote-unquote leadership and their quote-unquote ability to know how mm-hmm. to close games out and things like that? Are we giving them too much credit on that? And uh, where – as opposed to game by game, let's put the the guys that are that have 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 brought us to victory. Let's let them close out I this game, no matter who it is. I just think we need to be careful is. of giving guys lifetime achievement awards. And uh, oh, I I absolutely yeah. agree. That's what I'm trying to say here is that I'm not so sure that Jabo and 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 Wieskamp and and Garza are uh, you know th- this leadership. Yes, they're leaders. I get they are leaders, but leadership does not get you wins all the time. I, I'm t- I tried to make that point early, and I'm not saying this to like yelling at you, Paul, uh, but it does not get you wins like people think. Ultimately, it's the players on the court executing, and and uh, and it's as simple as that. And uh, and so I agree with you that. Uh, I agree with you that the lessons of how to win should already have been learned, but who it has not been learned by Paul is by the Jack Nunji, by Pat McCaffrey, by Keegan Murray, by Joe Toussaint, and they still have a high ceiling that they can get to this season to bring Iowa to a whole nother level that we have not seen yet. And you know that. And so from that perspective, all I'm saying is that Iowa, uh, Iowa hoops has a chance to take this loss and start the game, start the game better and compete harder uh, and not come into games with this mindset swagger like, hey, we're Iowa. You know, you know who you, you know what our preseason expectations were. Let's go. We'll, we'll beat you. Our talent's good enough. It doesn't matter. And I'm telling you, teams do think like that. I gave the story of, of us uh, beating UCLA with four guys who went on to, to play for two guys for Team USA and two guys uh, for, for Serbia Montenegro mm-hmm. in the Olympics. You know, yeah. sometimes that happens. And hopefully Iowa does not think that way anymore. Hopefully Iowa does not give a damn about their ranking and just says we need to win games, period. Uh, Real quick here, we're getting, we're approaching the, yep, we're. Real quick, also, I'm sorry. Also to put it in perspective, folks, Iowa smashed UNC, smashed Purdue, and smashed Iowa State. So it's not all bad, ladies and gentlemen. It's not, okay? Uh, it, but, but our concerns, but it's not all bad. And again, you put put it into context. The Minnesota and Gonzaga loss. It's not so bad. My my worry factor is like at thirty percent, and I do believe Iowa still right, is the top so, five team I, in the I know country. We want to Go try ahead, to keep Paul. This right around an hour. So we're gonna play a little lightning round. This is straight, true, or yeah. false. No explanations for your answer required. Let's. Uh, so uh, true okay. or false. Iowa has at least one first-round pick in the NFL draft. Okay. True. Uh, Alaric Jackson. Because I'm not talking about Davion Nixon, uh, Tyler Linderbaum. True or false. Nebraska will be the preseason pick to win the Big Ten West next year. Okay. And False. Uh, true or false. 2021 is Kirk's last year after he wins the Big Ten title next year. 
False. Uh, and I have to answer that, that one. Kirk Ferentz is coaching so well. His boys are doing so well. Uh, there's no reason. He, and he's in great physical sh- shape. Unless some other scandal comes along, there's no reason for him to stop, to stop coaching. It, the, the only reason he needs to stop coaching is if, is if he's done. Uh, you know, uh, and he wants to just go and, and relax and maybe, uh, but Kirk Ferentz doesn't seem like the type to go on big 10 network or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I, I think Kirk is going to coach past even with a big 10 championship, uh, game or big 10 championship in general. I think he's going to okay, coach past his 2023 contract. And then, uh, we'll say our goodbyes here. So, uh, true or false. Iowa recovers after the Minnesota loss to win the Big Ten regular season title. All right, true or false? True. Starting 0-3 in the conference now, Michigan State finishes as a bottom four seed uh, or a bottom four team in the Big Ten this year. Ooh, that's a big one. True. And true or false, Luka scores 40 or more at least one time this season. Okay, true. So more time. He's already done it. He'll do it in Big Ten play. Yes, true. Uh, I think he'll do it. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll go a step further. I think he does it twice. Uh, real quick, I do want to talk about one more thing. Uh, Davion Nixon and Tyler Linderbaum, and then we'll get out of here, Paul. And I'm curious on your thoughts. Um, from what I'm hearing, folks, both those guys are very, very um, – they're thinking about it hard. Um, as a center for Tyler Linderbaum – when you are a center, you and 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 you want to be in the first round. That means you have to be the top center in the country unequivocally. Tyler Linderbaum would test well, but I do think, unfortunately, the kid from Ohio State would get the nod over Tyler Linderbaum, even though Tyler Linderbaum has excellent upside, uh, excellent uh, testing skills, uh, and and so I think, unfortunately, Linderbaum would go second round. Uh, and and in my eyes, it's sixty percent that he comes back, forty percent that he goes pro. Because I just think he loves the Hawks so much. And also, you know, folks, you forget getting a degree does matter for these kids, especially kids that go to Iowa. Davion Nixon, it's the same thing. He does care about getting his degree. And if you're Davion Nixon, and this idea that you can't improve your draft stock is ridiculous. Look, look at AJ Epinesa and Geno Stone. If they would have came back this year, they would have been guaranteed locks to be drafted. Uh, AJ Epinesa would have been a guaranteed first rounder. Geno Stone would have been probably fifth, fourth or fifth round. So this idea that you can't get any better than what it currently is to me is false. It's it's absolutely false. Um, and uh, I thought you were going to ask me questions on the wide receivers. Uh, do you have a little bit of time to go into that, uh, or do you, you want to skid out? Up to you. This is your your gig, man. I'm I'm just here to help. Okay, let, we'll talk about the uh, Brandon Smith and Amir Smith, Marset, and then wide receivers. But we got to go quick. Um, and and so, uh, in my eyes, it is because Dave, Davion Nixon has won so many awards, and he will test well. I think. Uh, it's 60% or excuse me, it's 55% chance that he goes to the NFL, 45% that he stays. Um, uh, in my eyes, it would be better that he comes back, gets his degree and develops as both a human being and as a player, because, you know, some Iowa fans forget 
it's it's not just about the money. You have to be able to develop as a human being, as a man, as an adult, to deal with the type of money that you will get as a first rounder. And if he's a first rounder this year, you don't think he'll be a first rounder next year, possibly even higher than going 20th or 21st. So that's my take there. What do when you think, Paul? When it comes to Nixon, I want to make this point. So Saturday, the Hawkeyes got back. They were going to practice for the bowl prep. They were they they put out like three or four pictures from the practice that they had. One of those pictures had Davion Nixon fully dressed in practice. He was gonna he was gonna go for the bowl game. Yeah. Uh, if I was gonna be a yep. projected first round pick, Noah Fant, whatever, and I was I'm not sure I risk playing in the 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 bowl game. Anyway, that tells me that, like you said, you know what, he's at best, he, he may be very close to 50-50 of whether or not he stays or comes back. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think the door is closed on him coming back. Um, so there's that. Uh, as far as Linderbaum, I, we talked about this, and, and yeah, I, you're exactly right. Look, center is one of those positions where, um, you know, the, there is maybe – maybe one first round center uh, after that, you know, it falls, you know, if, yep. if you're a, a, a tackle um, or a, you know, a quarterback that there's certain positions that get first round grades and you're more likely to get drafted there. Center is not what, even if you had a first round grade on Tyler and a first round grade on one or two other centers, the likelihood is maybe one of them actually goes in the first round. And so, absolutely, and so, absolutely. Go ahead. And, and whether or not you know Ty, Tyler wants to go on to the to the NFL or not, uh, that will remain to be seen. Too, I think they they both can get better with one more year of of the strength and conditioning. One more year, you know, have that opportunity to refine their skills a little bit more. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I do think depending on what kind of grades they get, you know, uh, w- will determine whether or not they, they decide to go ahead and make that jump. Now, hopefully, um, you know, the, whoever they talk to, those people are honest with them and say, look, you guys may be, you know, top five prospects right now or top three prospects in your position, but the odds are, you know, look, these guys are probably ahead of you and, you know, you're looking at, your, your best case scenario may be bottom of the first round, but more likely you're, you're going to be second to mid-second round picks. Um, I think somebody probably gave A.J. Epinesa some bad, uh, you know, they, they, they may have given him some bad information because uh, he, he had he's a first-round talent, he's a pass rusher, and he still didn't, you know, he was still almost an afterthought. I couldn't believe how long uh, he was still available. So, um, in very rare cases, have I seen a player come back and it actually hurt their draft stock? Exactly. That's you know that's that's my overall point is that it rarely happens, and and usually it helps. You know, Desmond King. You could argue that it hurt maybe, but I still think he would have went. Uh, unfortunately, I do think he still would have went kind of low. I do. Um, He wasn't going to get any taller. He wasn't going to get, he didn't have the elite speed. Exactly. Uh, You know, he he had great film, but you know, Iowa plays an awful lot of zone. Uh, They don't ask 
they don't they don't play a lot of man coverage in, in their defensive schemes. So NFL teams didn't have nobody threw to his side yeah. once he came back either. So, you know, I mean, I think Desmond went where Desmond now now Desmond's having a great NFL career. He's overachieving his. Yes, I'm so happy. I'm so happy he's with well, the Titans. As a so happy. Fan, I wish he wasn't, but uh, you know. You know, he's back there with the Monty, <laughs> you know, uh, so he's, he, you know, there's a couple Hawkeyes on that defense, uh, uh, you know, and uh, uh, Hooker's another guy that I think he would have benefited by coming back for his senior year. So. Absolutely agree. I agree. Listen, I agree. Uh, and you, but the bottom line is, Paul, some of these guys just can't wait to go and make money. And for me, the, Getting injured so badly that it would hurt your draft stock is is so, so, so rare. And the reality is you could just as easily get injured in your first year in the NFL and your career's done as well. So uh, it's but and yeah, you made one contract of money, sure, but you could that next year you could get injured. My whole thing is that if you come back, you round yourself out as a human being. Uh, you know who you are as a person, and uh, and and you. In my eyes, I feel better about Iowa developing their guys than any of the coaches that would develop Davion Nixon or Tyler Linderbaum at the next level. So, anyways, and this is going to be on Brandon's Yeah, side. if there was any player where I would think actually not playing and 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 whatever uh, for a potential like injury. Brandon Smith would be that guy because he is going to test off the charts. If he's healthy, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's got a vertical jump that he may have the best vertical of any wide receiver. He's going to uh, broad jump better than, than any other wide receiver. I'm calling that he's going to run a faster 40 time than most people think he's, he's not a burner. He's not a four, two guy, or, but he's, he's going to run in yeah. a middle of the road uh, for, you know, four, four. Well, here's the problem. This is what I was going to get into, Paul, when I was going to ask you about ISM and Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith, you're right. He's going to jump a 44-inch vert. In my eyes, he'll run anywhere from a low, uh, like a 4-4-3 to a 4-5-5, which would be fine. At six foot three, 200 and whatever pounds, that'd be totally fine. Um, Amir Smith-Marset is going to test off the charts. He'll probably have anywhere from 32 to 38-inch vert. And he'll, he'll, I think he may run like a four, yeah. low four three forty. I mean, th- th- his, the way he runs is so smooth and effortless. That's just God-given. Um, but I'm not sure Brandon Smith is going to well, get invited to the combine. Day, so. uh, he's still going to be able to, to do that in the pro That's true, that's true but the, but. but but the combine we both know is 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 where if you do re- cuz we've seen Iowa guys do really well that Riley McCarron you know Nick Easley run four threes and but but it, it, it Tavon Smith same thing but it matters more if you do it at the combine because then national media gets it and then you just get hype and so it matters more i don't know if Brandon Smith has a uh, has a senior Reese's bowl invite um but both guys have mm-hmm. phenomenal upside. Uh, Brandon Smith, you look at Brandon Smith, he's 6'3, 
he can go up and get any ball. Like, like me and Paul have already said, he'll jump a 40-inch vert, and he's faster than most people believe. That's why he was always able to get so much separation on his routes. You know, um, now, is he a burner down the field? We don't really know because Iowa never – he was a possession receiver at Iowa. Um, but I do think, in my opinion, I do think it would have been better for Brandon to come back and have this year, this past year that just happened, uh, since I was not playing Missouri, to be the quote-unquote redshirt season for him uh, and uh, come back and be the guy and have a nice, uh, another nice season because uh, I just don't think he's had the numbers except for last year uh, to do anything now. Another thing that both of them have going for them is that they play in pro style offenses and they block and they know how they know schemes and all that. So that's great. Um, and the last thing I'll say, and then I'll turn it over to you, uh, is uh, with 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 Brandon Smith, if you would if you would come back, he'd be able to do that. Uh, and I'm I'm just not sure he's going to be able to test. Uh, and and show what he's able to do on a national landscape to make scouts go, dang, look at this guy. Um, but the bottom line is they both have the athletic traits to play in the NFL. Uh, but I think it would have been better for Brandon to come back and do it one more time. With that being said, I'm excited about the new crop. And that's what I was going to ask you next, which is because uh, nobody answered it, of my question on Facebook, which was, are you excited about the next crop? Are you excited Absolutely. about the next Absolutely. crop, Paul? Yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing I, I really like is that th the pieces are there that traditionally work well in the, the Kirk Ferentz era offense. You know, the, the Brian Ferentz, the Ken O'Keefe kind of. Now, Brian has, has really put his own um, kind of staple on it. We've we've seen the, the wild uh, wildcat wild hawk formation. I'm excited to see how that could evolve next year where you know where we've got the direct snap going to, to Goodson and then you've got Tracy back there. You've got uh, Kelly Martin back there. Uh, you know we're gonna have different options, different looks we're gonna be able to give teams uh, and we're gonna find ways to get these guys the football and uh, I'm excited to see now you know how it evolves and 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 just how dynamic it's going to be and we're going to have uh, my breakout player spencer petrus getting him the football yes uh you and me are in agreement about spencer um i i told people i was going to give my grade on him and i will and i wish i would have done it earlier in the in the podcast but that's all right um I agree with you. I'm excited to see Desmond Hudson. Uh, as Kelton Copeland said, he was shocked that Missouri and SEC schools were not after this six foot four dude that could jump out of the gym and run like crazy. He was shocked. So that was a huge pickup for Iowa. Um, and uh, I'm excited. We saw what Tracy could do uh, at the X position uh, when Brandon Smith went, uh, went out. He dominated. He's yeah. the reason Iowa won 10 games is because he continued to stretch the field. And then Nico Raggiani, when he's the true slot guy, the number one slot guy, can't wait. And then honestly, honestly, if Desmond Hudson doesn't, in my eyes, it's either going to be Desmond Hudson, uh, Tyrone Tracy to replace Namir Smith-Marset, Nico uh, uh, Regani, 
or it's going to be Tyrone Tracy, Nico Organi, Charlie Jones with Desmond Hudson and Deontay Vines in the waiting room. I do not think any of the incoming freshmen will play because I think people over uh, simplify how hard it is to make the jump from high school to the division one level. Okay. You're not playing with boys anymore. You're playing with men. Once you get to the division one level, okay. Men with chest on their hair or or chest on their hair, hair on their chest, uh, both. So uh, yeah. So I'm excited about it. All right. Let's give our greatest Spencer Petrus. All right, Paul. All right. Here's the deal folks. Spencer won it, it. I truly believe had they played Michigan and Missouri, Iowa would have won eight games, okay, uh, which would have been the uh, about an 11, 10, 10 and a half, 11, or excuse me, uh, a 10 to 11.25 win season uh, in win conversion rate, going on the same pace. Um, the reality is Spencer was the quarterback who – literally had the best offense in 10 years. And, and, and it could be more, it could be 11, 12 or 13. I just haven't gone that far back. Okay. Yes. Was the offensive line fantastic for Iowa this year? Yes. Was the ground game uh, better than it's been in the last five years since 2015? Yes. Uh, Those things are all true, but that starts with Spencer at the line. Uh, also, Spencer didn't have the fall, or it was either fall or spring, to to get with his guys. And as Paul mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Amir Smith, Marset, and Brandon Smith were Nate Stanley's guys, not not Spencer's guys. That, that was Nate Stanley's guys. Um, on top of that, on top of that, he still ended up finishing the season top three to five in every category, or excuse me, top two to five in every category in the Big Ten with nine touchdowns, five interceptions. To, uh, I'm going to pull up his um, his stats, uh, his full stats here, because I, I just, we need to just get this right. Um, and in my eyes, the quarterback, uh, has his two pr- primary jobs are to win football games, and to uh, it, have a good offense. And he checked both bo- boxes. Uh, Iowa had a fantastic offense, and they won football games. They, they, were, they were a half, you know, a tiebreaker away from playing in the Big Ten Championship, which I think they would have given a much harder. They would have, I think they would have competed with Ohio State much better than Northwestern did. Um, so I will give him, with everything considered, and yes, he needs to work on his intermediate throws. Yes, he needs to work on his touch uh, and things like that. But also, Amir Smith, Marcet, Brandon Smith, they dropped some passes. And also, we can't see the route running from the top like the, the coaches can to see who's truly open and who isn't. We don't see all that. Um, so, uh, but yes, there are a lot of things that Spencer needs to work on, but at the end of the day, this dude started 0-2 and was able to help his team continue right, with their so mindset of winning football games and win six straight games. games. I'll I give him Spencer a B-. Go ahead. NFL throws. I saw him make honey hole throws. At, you know, putting the ball in a spot Amen. where only, only our guys were going to catch the football. I, I perfectly placed balls. I also saw him... 
early, especially early on, you, you could tell there was some nerves. You could tell there was some, uh, you know, just lack of game experience, uh, you know, where he did have, he struggled, like you mentioned, with, with touch and things like But by the end of the season, he, those, those, yeah, he had, we, there was so much improvement. From was there game one to game eight and I'm going to give him an overall B plus because I, I'm factoring in the lack of, of, of an off season. Um, I thought that he played, look what he did. Fair enough. Yeah. Illinois. Uh, you know, if you go back and you look at, at those throws against Illinois, look what he did in the second half uh, of the Wisconsin game. Uh, you, you look at, an all Big Ten schedule, uh, an all bad weather schedule from the standpoint of all these games were, you know, November, late October, November, December games. And, and you know, cold, windy, snow, but, you know, there was no sunny and, and 85 degree days where, you know, that, that are quarterback friendly. Um, you know, so... I think those are so great points. I absolutely agree with all of them. I I only wish that I would have said them. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah, then, I agree. You know, get him some some non conference games against uh, low, low, you know little lower level competition, and uh, you know get some fans in the stands and things like that. I mean, I, I feel like this was. I, I, I really do believe that that Spencer eight games played Spencer is obviously better than than no games played Spencer and I'm excited to see where he goes from here. It's a B plus for me. Um and and I, I think he he still has room to get better and I think he may wind up being, you know, the best like passing yeah. quarterback we've seen since maybe Chuck Long. I love it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, and yes, the, the one point that I failed to make that I've been making all season and Paul gracefully made it is that Spencer made NFL throws that, uh, that uh, I, I, th- there wasn't one quarterback in the Big Ten that I saw pl- that, that Iowa played where I said, damn, that guy's way better than Spencer. Their, their guy is way better than our guy or could make a throw that was way better than the throws that Spencer had played. There was every game Spencer made a throw that was just jaw-dropping. Uh, and and that's why he's their guy. So um, I, I, I like the B-plus. I don't even disagree with it. Um, and so there it, get, there it is. My last question to you, and we're going to head out. Let's, let's try and keep this under 125, um, is – who do you think will be, Who do I think the, will be the wide, wide receivers, receivers uh, and how many guys do you think get drafted? Okay, so that's going to be uh, – it's going to be – Iowa Tyler next Tracy year, the starting rotation and, and maybe the and... reserves. Ooh, tough one. Um, that third spot is, is you know, that's going to be up for grabs. And uh, I think it's possible maybe maybe it's going to be – is it is – it, uh, Keegan Johnson is that his name? The, the freshman or Brody Brecht maybe? 
Iowa's had a history. Yeah, the freshman. I just, I just thought it's so hard to come in as a freshman and play, uh, Paul. Smith Marset started as a freshman. Uh, Iowa has had a history of, of. Kirk's always said too: the further you are from the ball, the the easier it is to to see playing time as a young player. Yeah. True, but well, Paul, how how deep was the Iowa wide receiver group when Amir Smith Marset got there? That's my point. Well, but think, but okay, okay, you're saying bit, Keegan Johnson. So you don't think it'll think be, be Charlie Jones or Desmond Hudson? Iowa, All right, fair enough. Nico. Uh, so, I mean, like Charlie Jones, I think is okay. Well, Desmond Hudson six four, so he's going to play the X. He's not going to play. Uh, any other. So, uh, it's so, uh, and then also how many guys do you think Iowa gets drafted? Who do you think are locks? Uh, cause this is the next podcast I'm going to do is the Iowa NFL draft okay, so uh, projection. Jackson, uh, how many guys do you think get drafted uh, and who, who, who do you have as locks? And I'll say mine. Parents and then not get drafted in the first round. Um, it, it you know, it's really going to depend a lot on who comes out, who doesn't. Um, Absolutely agree. I think, Okay. Uh, I think Smith Marset gets drafted. Brandon Smith. Let's assume everybody comes out. Uh, I think he, he definitely at worst case is an undrafted free agent, but um, so I'll take Smith Marset as a late round pick on the defense. um, uh, Matt Hankins gets drafted uh, fourth or fifth round, but he's there. He gets drafted. Um, I feel like I'm missing some people here. Uh, Okay. Yeah, here, just let me hit it for you. We're going because I want to keep this under 125. So I agree with you, Alaric Jackson. Uh, Davion Nixon is a lock if he if he leaves. Uh, uh, Tyler Linderbaum lock if he leaves. Uh, Jack Heflin, uh, Chauncey Golston locks. Matt Hankin lock. and I think, yeah. honestly, I think Nick Neiman is a lock after what his brother did. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs went and got him. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah. uh, the, the outside looking in – oh, also lock, uh, uh, Cole Banwart. Cole Banwart's a lock. The dude is, has played for three. Iowa legit has th- eight locks in my mind. And then there's guys, uh, you know, uh, on the outside – Looking in, uh, like Zach Van Volkenberg, uh, you know, uh, and I'm probably missing another guy, but but guys like that that really have a chance. But those eight guys to me are locks. I don't see why they wouldn't get drafted. I mean, they've all had playing time, uh, and they all have the athletic ability. Oh, Amir Smith Marset and Brandon Smith, I have not said. I would say Amir Smith Marset is a lock, which would bring it to nine. So there we go. And Brandon Smith is on the outside. Same thing with, uh, with, uh, um, uh, gosh darn it, with uh, Zach Van Volkenberg, which goes back to oh, the original the, thing I said before the year, if, folks, if, that this was one of the most if, talented uh, teams if, Kirk Ferentz had ever had. Turns out I was not incorrect. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, offensive lineman. This is uh, what, what, you know, his best football may still be in front of him, too. It would. 
Uh, I think he returns to the Hawkeyes. I think that would be his best course of action uh, because he had a tough year this year. Uh, but we'll we'll see. But if he goes, you're right. He has playing time with Indiana, but the the reality is he got beat out by Iowa guys. So uh, we'll see on that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been the NHA podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Paul, thank you so much for uh, uh, riding shotgun as the producer. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, I want to mention smashing that follow button on two, on uh, Twitter, parlor at 247 Hawkeye. Uh, also Instagram at official 247hawkeye.com page and go to 247hawkeye.com. I don't know who's going to do the NFL pipeline article. Uh, we'll see who gets that done, but I'm really looking forward to that. We have uh, the basketball article. We have, uh, two, we have two basketball articles out uh, right now that are fantastic that you should go and read. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to drop this today on Tuesday goodbye, or Wednesday morning. I haven't decided. Uh, Paul, thank you so much. Say goodbye to the fans. Hey, man, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it. I think Iowa uh, absolutely blast Northwestern tonight uh, after what happened with Minnesota because they, they need something like that. And Northwestern's a good team, but I don't want to draw this out. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you so much. Share, follow, comment, the whole nine yards. When you share this, it helped us so much. And this podcast is growing every podcast. And we are so grateful. It's growing so much that I'm literally going to go buy a mic and I'm going to buy software to make this even better for you. I mean, and if it wasn't, I wouldn't do that. Trust me. Paul knows that. So uh, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. DBAP, don't be a pussy willow like Missouri and Michigan. Facts over feelings.